Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be our preparation. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning in the first verse, it says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. In this parable, among many other things, we find the importance of preparation. The five wise virgins were prepared, while the five foolish weren't, which is why there was such a stark contrast between them. The ten virgins represent the church because of their purity, while the bridegroom represents Christ because the church is the bride of Christ. Isaiah 54 and 5 says, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. Ephesians 5 and 25 tells us, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Since this is the case, it's clear in this parable that the Lord is addressing the church He's speaking to his people. He's talking to us. He is showing us that he desires for us to be wise and to be prepared. He is showing us that foolishness will only destroy us in the end. This parable is a great example of Proverbs 13 and 20, which says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. This parable wasn't just a warning for the early church. It's a warning for us too. And the wisdom and preparedness it speaks of isn't just needed for the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's needed right now. The modern church is making the same mistake as this parable warns against. They're not prepared. This isn't a problem that's unique to our time. It's plagued the church throughout its history. We're called to be prepared, but we need to take a closer look at why we are and what exactly it means to be prepared. This parable has more to say about the foolish than it does the wise, 
But we get insight into the wise from verse 4, which tells us, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. The oil represents the anointing, and the lamp represents the word of God. Psalm 119 and 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Proverbs 6 and 23 tells us, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. 2 Peter 1 and 19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. The anointing and the word of God are two very important elements when it comes to preparedness. The anointing is a gift from God that he puts on his people. God has not anointed us for no reason. He's given it to us so that we can operate in it as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. There will be times when we're called to operate in the anointing, but we have to be prepared to do so. Otherwise, we squander the gift that God has given us. We have to cherish the anointing. We have to appreciate it, and we have to understand its importance in our lives. Many ignore the anointing, and when the time comes to use it, they're unprepared. They're not ready. We've been given the anointing because it's through the anointing that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live out the Word. We have to know the anointing in order to be prepared to walk in it, which leads us to the second element, the Word of God. We can't truly know and appreciate the anointing without knowing and appreciating the Word of God. The same way that we need to cherish the anointing, we need to cherish the Word. We need to appreciate it and understand it. We need to take the time to study and to learn the Word. We have to let ourselves become immersed in it. It's our roadmap of how to live our lives. There are going to be countless times when we need to act on the Word that we've learned, and we need to be prepared for these times, because they will come and will be held accountable for whether we were ready or not. Luke 12 and 48 says, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. God has entrusted us with his word. He's given us much, and now much is expected of us. We're expected to act on the word that we've learned. We have to be ready. We can't ignore the word like so many Christians do today. We have to embrace it. And even more importantly, we have to live it. When it becomes a part of who we are, the word itself will prepare us because it teaches, it corrects, and it molds us into the person who God wants us to be. Not only is the word our lamp, but the Lord is the one who has lit our lamp. Psalm 18 and 28 says, For thou will light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Through his word, he expresses the light that is in him. John 8 and 12 tells us, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Since he is light, and since he has put his word within us, we share in his light. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 tell us, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. He has put the word within us, but it's our job to be prepared 
and to be ready to act on it at all times, whenever the Spirit moves us to do so. Our preparation prepares us to glorify God. The wise virgins understood this, which is why they had their oil and their lamps ready ahead of time. The foolish had a different story. Verse 3 says, They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Then verse 5 tells us, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. They were sleeping and resting when they should have been getting ready. They chose to procrastinate and to leave everything off to the last second. They weren't worried about not being ready. They just thought that they would figure it out at another time. But when the time came, that's not how it went. Verses 7 through 9 tell us, Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. There are many foolish Christians who do the same thing today. They're not ready. They don't understand the anointing, and they haven't learned the word. Then when the time comes, when they're called to act on the word and to operate in the anointing, they're forced to scramble to try to figure out what to do, which causes their words and their actions to come off as disingenuous, and it causes them to lack any real power. If we want there to be power behind what we say and do, we need to spend time alone with God, because it's during this time with God that we are preparing. If we don't spend time with God, we won't be ready. We can never truly be prepared to do the will of God without having been with Him, because in order to know His will, we need to know Him and His Word. When the foolish get to the point when they don't know what to do, they go to the wise to try to find help, hoping that the wise can bail them out of a bad situation. But the wise can't help them, because there's no way to supplement what they failed to do, because they failed to cultivate their relationship with God. A relationship with the Lord isn't built up on a whim. It doesn't happen in a moment. It requires time and effort. It can't be transferred or passed down or bought or sold. It has to be real. It has to be genuine. And it has to be a personal experience. Trying to survive vicariously through someone else's experience doesn't work. And it'll never work. Because that's not the way that God has designed us. We see the importance of relationship later on in the chapter. Verses 11 to 12, referring to the foolish, says, Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. The key word in verse 12 is know. He didn't know them, because they didn't really have a relationship with him. They just procrastinated until it was too late. In order to know someone, you have to have had spent time with them. And it's no different when it comes to God. The foolish didn't do this, and because of it, they weren't prepared when they needed to be. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians 6, beginning in the 11th verse, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Preparation is crucial for our spiritual warfare. It's part of our arsenal of weapons. Verse 15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to ask ourselves, what exactly is the preparation of the gospel? The word for preparation in the Greek means foundation, firm footing, preparation, readiness. The concordance goes on to say, the act of preparing. The Lord includes preparation in our arsenal because it's critical to our success. We won't be successful if we're not prepared. The foundation of our preparation, as we saw earlier, is our relationship with God, and it's our preparation itself that gives us firm footing, because unlike the foolish, we no longer have to be worried or anxious over whether we're ready or not. We'll know because we know God, we know His Word, and we know His anointing. The power of God that is present and manifest when we speak or act is the evidence that we were with God and that we were prepared. We find examples of this in Scripture. Acts 4 and 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Peter and John were prepared. They had spent time with God and those around them noticed because they had the power from God that comes with preparation. Preparation is outwardly noticeable because it can't be faked and it can't be falsified. People have an eye for superficiality. They know instinctively when someone isn't being completely honest. And they know when someone is pretending to have knowledge about something that they don't actually understand. People can tell when we're not prepared. And it causes them to doubt everything that we say and do. This is why our preparation is so important. When we aren't prepared, we do great damage and a great disservice to the church and the work of God. The enemy sees our lack of preparation as a weakness and a vulnerability on our part, which it is. This leaves the door wide open for him to attack us. We must guard ourselves by staying prepared. We don't want to give the enemy any extra ground or any extra ammunition to work with. 1 Peter 3 and 15 says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is one of the main reasons why we must be prepared. There have been and there will be countless opportunities that the Lord gives us to spread the gospel to those around us. And what we do in that moment has eternal implications. Our preparation, or lack thereof, can be the difference between a person spending their eternity with God or apart from God. We have to be able and be ready to give good, sufficient answers based on the Word of God when people inquire of us. If we don't give real answers, people will leave dissatisfied and begin to look elsewhere for the truth, which means that we didn't do our job correctly, which reflects poorly on our God. We know that people will ask, and we need to give real thought as to how we respond, and we need to listen inwardly for the leading of the Holy Spirit as He guides us and helps us to respond correctly. The work is the Lord's. We are just the vessels. 
He works through us, but we still have to do our part and give the right response. In order to be able to do this, we need the foundation that we saw before. We need to have a strong, cultivated relationship with the Lord, and we need to truly know and understand His Word, because it's in His Word that He communicates the right response to us. John 14 and 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Many today have adopted this false mindset, that since the Holy Spirit has promised to bring all things to our remembrance, that we don't have to prepare. Although these people never outwardly say it, the real heart of their mindset is that they want to do nothing while the Holy Spirit does everything for them, but it doesn't work that way. As the old saying goes, God helps them that help themselves. When we do our part, God will do His. The key word in this verse is the word remembrance. We can't remember something that never happened, something that we never said or did, or something that we never learned. We can only remember something that has already taken place. We're also promised that the Spirit will teach us. Anyone can be taught, but you have to want to learn. The Spirit will teach us, but we have to make the decision to put forth the effort to learn of Him. If we don't take his teaching seriously, or if we ignore his inward leading, then we really didn't learn. And when the day comes when a response is required of us, there will be nothing for the Spirit to bring to our remembrance, and we'll be left unprepared. We'll be like the foolish trying to find oil from the wise when it's already too late. We can't let opportunities pass us by. We need to be ready. Matthew 26 and 4 tells us, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This verse gives us two key elements of staying prepared. We are commanded to watch and pray. The first element is watching. We need to use our spiritual sight. We need to use our discernment in order to see when the Lord is calling us to act. When we are watching, we're preparing because we won't be caught off guard. We'll be ready. We'll know what's coming ahead of time. We also need to pray. Prayer is one of our most important assets. It's direct communication and conversation between us and God. When we pray, we're building up our relationship with the Lord, and we're building up our faith. It's also through our prayers that we release the power of God in our lives and also in the lives of others. If we stay in touch with God by talking to Him and listening to Him, it prepares us to act when the time comes. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, tell us in the English Standard Version, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. The harvest is coming, and it's many, but the laborers are few. If we want the Lord to use us in the harvest, we must be prepared. Our preparation can be the difference between where someone spends their eternity, and this fact alone should motivate us and give us the necessary urgency to prepare. We can't allow ourselves to wait until it's too late. There's a saying that says, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. We're called to stay ready. Preparation is going to be critical for the church in the days ahead. We can already see today the foundation being laid for many problems that the church is going to face in the coming years. We need to stay watchful and discern 
so that we know what's really going on in the world around us and so that we know what's coming. And we need to stay prayerful. We need to pray against the plans of the enemy and we need to pray that God's will will be done. If we stay faithful and stay prepared, we will reap the rewards. 1 Peter 1 and 13 in the English Standard Version says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's make the choice to be ready for what the Lord is calling us to do. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that right now, at this very moment, that we are being prepared by you. And Lord, we thank you that you have put so many mechanisms in place for us to get and stay prepared. Lord, we thank you that you are training us, that you're molding us, that you're leading us and guiding us into who you want us to be so that we'll be ready when that time comes to not only know our calling, but more importantly, to walk in it so that we can better glorify you and honor your name. Lord, we thank you that the preparation is being done. And Lord, we rebuke that mindset of the foolish virgins. We won't be like them. Lord, today we make the decision and put forth the effort and the time and the energy to be like the wise, to have our lamps ready and trimmed, and to have the oil that we need. Lord, we thank you for the anointing, Lord. We appreciate it. We cherish it. Help us to understand it. And the same goes for the word. Lord, we thank you for the word. Help us to appreciate it and enjoy all that it has to offer. And Lord, we thank you that because of our preparation, we now can hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us through you. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to get and stay prepared and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.